Welcome back to another episode of Brotherly Love in the District. Tristan here along with Jacob, and we got a little bit to talk about today. Not too much, but still enough to uh, keep the conversation rolling for a while. All right, so today we're going to talk about, obviously, football is back as we speak. Both the Eagles and Washington play. We are also going to talk about in football the hall, the hall of fame class was just inducted a few days ago then moving on to nhl each of our teams have signed their respective goalies and then finally moving into baseball we're mainly going to be talking about the phillies taking first place and bryce harper emerging as an mvp front runner so let's get right into it yeah so as we speak the eagles are playing the steelers and washington is playing the patriots uh so a little bit of news on the preseason is the Eagles are starting essentially all of their starters. The only person they didn't have starting on offense, which was the drive I was just watching on. The only player they didn't have starting was Isaac Sayamalu at guard. So, and then Jordan Mailata was starting at tackle, which was kind of a big deal being that uh, Jordan Mailata and Andre Dillard were fighting for that left tackle position. And so Jordan Mailata starting this first preseason game here. Uh, Jalen Hurts was starting at quarterback, as I think he should, being that he's still a young player and he hasn't really had much NFL experience, especially if he's going to go into this year proposed as the starting quarterback. Uh, so they, uh, their offense was pretty much all out there, except for Devontae Smith. He was injured. Uh, and it kind of ended on a sour note, our drive with uh, Zach Ertz dri- dropping a wide-open 10-yard pass. Yeah, on the Washington side, there is really too many unexpected starts. I think it's really the team we're kind of expecting. The only maybe questions are on the offensive line and possibly the linebackers, but other than that, I think our starting lineup's pretty set. Um, we Some of the starting linebackers um, – Jermaine Davis is getting the start, so it looks like we're going to be looking towards him as um, a starter this year. Um, Sam Cosme started at right tackle, so we're going to try and get him in there on the offensive line. But other than that, not much unexpected. Obviously, Fitzmagic is stepping under under center. Uh, I mean, I would, as a first rounder, you'd expect him to be starting, especially with the way your linebackers looked. Uh, it's also weird looking at this and seeing like corners and stuff with single digit numbers. Like Stevie Nelson, yeah. Steven Nelson is number three and Darius Slay is number two. It's and- really cool, but it's so strange. Like, cause we've always been used to cert- like positions being within certain number brackets and seeing, I like what they did a lot when the players to have the freedoms to wear whatever number they want. Yeah, I, I like that too. That's that's definitely more. I like the. That's what I like about college is there's no, there's no uh. There's no number limits, so you can wear basically whatever you want. So, like there were there was a couple years ago where a D tackle for Auburn was wearing number five. It's so like a three hundred pound man is out there wearing number five, which is like a quarterback number or in college a running back number or something. So I think it just like I think it makes it more fun. But obviously in the NFL. 
D tackles can't wear single digits at this point in time. Um, I want to see a quarterback wearing like a like num- number ninety 50? or something like that, or there, maybe like number fifty. Well, isn't um yeah Mac Jones is wearing number yeah Mac 50 Jones currently. is wearing fifty. Uh, I want to see a quarterback wear a ridiculous number like that, like a D tackle number. There was a quarterback from Michigan a couple years ago who was wearing number ninety eight. It, it was the quarterback number. It, it was a. Uh, I want to say it was for a like a dedication to one of his friends who passed away or something. Uh, but yeah, that, that was because I remember watching a Michigan game and being like, "Why is that quarterback wearing number ninety eight? Because it was so <laughs> like it's legend. so odd." Uh, and then is that all? I haven't really seen anything special on defense. Uh, Steven Nelson's obviously out there. Um, Marcus Epps and Anthony Harris are the starters at safety with Rodney McLeod being out. Uh, but I mean, nothing really surprising on defense. The Eagles also have a lot of like slight injuries that are keeping people like day to day so far. So we have yet to see how those pop out. Um, oh, I also Chase... for... Go oh, ahead. Yeah, there you go. All right. I also forgot to mention that uh, Jordan Howard was starting at running back. So I think they've, yeah, they're they're really set on the fact that uh, Miles Sanders is going to be the third down back. No, Miles Sanders is going to be the starting running back. But I thought so since everyone else was starting, I thought that uh, that Miles Sanders would play at least a drive or so. But they had Jordan Howard starting at running back, and Jordan Howard is only twenty six. I thought he's in his thirties. Yeah, I know. He feels so much older, but he only played two years with the Bears before he got cut, and then he came to the Eagles, and then he went to the Dolphins, and then uh, he sat pretty much the entire season with the Dolphins because he he got paid $4 million to sit on the bench and run, like, three plays all season at the goal line because they didn't like I the way he that. Yeah, that's easy. On the, yeah, Washington, so- on the Washington side, Chase Young already has a fort. He has a forced fumble already. We didn't recover it. And Fitzpatrick just completed a 24 yard pass to Logan Thomas. So the offense looking deadly. It's the first drive in preseason, bud. Second um, drive, actually. And then I just wanted to look at a couple of the players who got inducted in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Drew Pearson just got inducted, which is kind of surprising. I thought he would have gotten inducted earlier. Yeah, I think it's long overdue. Uh, and I believe Drew Pearson. I'm gonna double check this, but I he believe Drew Pearson. Huh? He's undrafted. Oh, he was. Yep. Uh, I want to say that Drew Pearson was the first wide receiver to catch a hail mary because I know the Cowboys invented I it. So yeah, th- like they invent, they did invent it with Roger Staubach. I think it was Drew Pearson who caught it. I know it was a, in a game against the Vikings, I believe. So, uh, Roger Staubach and Drew Pearson, first ever Hail Mary. Uh, he should have been inducted just on that. <laughs> um, then Peyton Manning, obvious first first ballot Hall of Famer. He's I, my favorite quarterback of all time. I saw a meme the other day where it was uh, Peyton Manning giving his Hall of Fame speech and Tom Brady sitting in the 
in the stands and it's like this is proof that Peyton Manning is better than Tom Brady Peyton Manning is getting inducted in the Hall of Fame and Tom Brady still isn't in it <laughs> oh my gosh and I also saw a meme where it was um Peyton Manning standing next to his Hall of Fame bust but they made his forehead, forehead so bigger. incredibly huge um, everybody's like is that real there's no way that's real because it was mm-hmm. Yeah, whoever photo whoever photoshopped that did an amazing job. Yeah, I thought that was real for a second. I'm like, oh, I'd, if I was Peyton, I'd be pissed. Yeah, dude, the NFL did them dirty. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was another obvious first ballot Hall of Famer, Calvin Johnson, Megatron. Yeah. Uh, which goes to show that he's definitely not going to come out of retirement now. I mean, I thought he would have come out of retirement, being that he retired. He was either 29 or 30. He retired really early because he didn't want to be in Detroit anymore. But uh, so, yeah, another obvious first ballot Hall of Famer. And then another guy, Charles Woodson, inducted. Yeah, that's another no-brainer in my book. Yeah, Charles Woodson, one of the greatest corners of all time. Um, And then a couple other people who I don't re- – I recognize John Lynch from Madden. He was a safety for the Bucks. I don't really know much about him. Um. Tom Flores, who was a coach for the Raiders, and coached then coached under a few Super Bowls. Alan Feneca, who was on the Steelers. So a couple and names Troy that Palomalu. I think. Huh? And Troy Polamalu. Oh, he got inducted this year too? Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. And I looked on the I looked on the Hall of Fame website. Literally profootballhalloffame.com. Did they forget Troy Polamalu because he got inducted? Uh, I guess so. But uh, but yeah, to uh, close out the NFL, so we had a little bit of a thing that we were – a little bit of a series that we were going to try to do that we kind of forgot with the past two weeks being that a lot of football had happened in such a short amount of time where we were kind of giving an overview on all the teams in the NFC East. So we already did the Giants where we said their team was kind of the – most evened out team and like all all around decent team, but their depth is going to be what hurts, hurts them. Uh, Next, we're going to go on to the next team that we don't really cover. uh, And we're going to go on to the Cowboys. And I think the Cowboys, I think they might have the best solo unit in the division, not like unit of all. I mean, the best unit in the division in their offense. Yeah. The which it's a close it's a close um it's a close run between them and the Washington defense but I think the fact that Dallas has a little bit more insurance uh in their wide receiver depth and they're running back with Tony Pollard behind Ezekiel Elliott uh I think they have a little bit more insurance in their depth than the Washington defense being that your linebackers are still a little iffy I think the Cowboys yeah. offense is probably the best unit in the NLE. And wow, been watching too much baseball lately. NFC East. Yeah, but that's that really isn't that impressive of a thing. The NFC East still is the worst division in the NFL. But yeah, I think the they're more established than Washington is. I think we're a lot younger and we don't really have the depth at linebacker in the secondary we have depth and the in our defensive line we have depth but the only thing we're really missing is good linebackers um hopefully Jermaine Davis will be able to help out that linebacker core but 
back to the Cowboys, they do have the best offense, but what I think is really going to hurt them this year is their defense and Dak Prescott being such a question mark because I saw that he is getting an MRI at some point soon. So that is that could be bad for the Cowboys if he has lingering injuries that just won't go away. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Their offense is really good. I want to double-check their second-round pick because in the first round they got uh, Micah Parsons, who was the best defensive prospect in the draft. Uh, Kevin Joseph was their second-round uh, pick. He's a corner out of – let me just double-check this – Kentucky, and Kentucky isn't a great football school, but – uh. So their defense is really relying on their secondary is what scares me about their defense overall. I think their defensive line is pretty decent with Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory on the edges. Uh, And then their linebacker is one of the best linebacker units in the league. In my opinion, I mean, Jalen Smith is a monster. And then they also have Leighton Vander Esch and Micah Parsons, both both of them are insane. They're uh, and then their secondary, Trayvon Diggs, a second year player, Donovan Wilson at safety, Demonte KZ from uh, from Atlanta. He came from Atlanta, and then Anthony Brown and Kelvin Joseph, their second rounder. So they're really going to be relying on a lot of young guys. And Demonte KZ isn't really a uh, isn't really a big like number one guy. And before I go into what you said about the linebacker course, Dustin Hopkins just missed a 39-yard field goal. He's already in midseason form. Uh, Why is he still on the team? But they also have Keanu Neal, who uh, who was also from the Falcons in that uh, in that Super Bowl year. And so I think Keanu Neal, Keanu Neal is a pretty good player for them, as he can play linebacker and safety he's one of those safety linebacker hybrids so he's, i think like landon be, collins yeah like landon collins, landon collins jamal adams who else i can't really but like it's a lot of what uh it's what a lot of teams are really looking for now like uh malcolm jenkins he's another one of those players uh it's what a lot of players are looking for but uh our teams are looking for but i think overall their offense is really good their defense is going to be the death of them and because they don't have depth on their D-line after Demarcus Lawrence and Leighton Vander Esch, or not Leighton Vander Esch, Randy Gregory. I read a wrong slot on the website. And uh, and then their secondary is really sketchy. Their linebackers are what's going to need to hold them down on their defense. And yeah, they're think, going to be, go ahead. I think it would be a good um, run defense team, but – I think when teams do their scouting reports and see that they have good linebackers and um, a, a pretty de- decent decent defensive line, they're just going to try and throw the ball deep because their secondary is really, really struggling. I think teams will be able to throw all over them if it's a decent quarterback, and I think that'll be that'll be their big downfall this season. And if they get one injury in their defense, it it's going to be catastrophic because they don't really have the depth to pick it up as we saw last year. Yeah. And uh, 
had something else to mention about that. Oh, another thing is there are uh, some of their players, Micah Parsons. I don't exactly know what happened with Micah Parsons, but I know he was facing some off the field issues. And also uh, their second round pick, Kelvin Joseph, was facing some off the field issues as he got kicked out of LSU, I believe. And that's why he was ended up, ended up at Kentucky, but he's gotten kicked out of a, he got kicked out of LSU. I think it was because of his off the field issues. So, I mean, they're, they have some issues there. And I think Randy Gregory also was having some off the field issues. You're not a Cowboys player. If you don't have off field issues. Indeed. Uh, so there, yeah, their depth is really what's going to test them there. What it comes down to is I think the Cowboys are going to have to uh, win a lot of shootouts. If they're going to win games, they're going to need to win a lot of high-scoring shootouts. I I said that they kind of took a, a they took a, a attempt at it like the Chiefs did, where they just have a really good offense and hope that their defense can just bend and not break. Yeah, because like, the Chiefs the Chiefs offense is probably if not the best, a top three unit in the NFL and their defense, you can probably name three players from there. If you're lucky. Um, Chris Jones. Yeah, that's about, I mean, that's, that's I mean, about I mean, all I if he's still on the team. Oh, and Tyron Matthews. Matthews still on the yeah, team? Tyron Matthews there. And that's about it. I mean, their defense isn't anything stellar. I know they had a really good rookie, a really good rookie corner last year. I can't remember his name off the top of my head though. I can't either, but we saw in last year's Super Bowl that their defense couldn't stop anything. But back onto the Cowboys, they are like the Chiefs offense if you look at it laid out. Like when Dak was still playing, you could see that they really like to favor the long ball because they had some pretty fast receivers. Um, So I think they're really going to have to try and just outscore teams, like you said, because their defense – it doesn't have the strength to be able to just stonewall teams and just stop them at every um play. So it, and, but one thing on their offense, if Dak goes down, that could throw their whole offense into the garbage can again, like it did. Cause we saw Ezekiel Elliott couldn't pick up the slack. I don't know what happened with him. He looks in better shape, but it's still going to be hard for him to run behind a questionable offensive line. It, he lost eight pounds over the summer. Well, over the winter. No, summer. Over the off season. Off season. We'll go with that. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe he's a different player after having lost so much weight. Uh, so, yeah, he, he couldn't pick up the slack with Dak Prescott gone. And I think Dak Prescott fits into the Dallas Cowboys offense. I can't stand Dallas Dak Prescott because I think he's way overhyped. In my opinion, I mean, I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. I think he has enough weapons around him to look like a great quarterback, but he's not. So personally, I love him as an Eagles fan because I don't think he's great. And I'm happy that he's staying in, staying with the Cowboys because he just signed a, I want to say it was a $40 million a year contract. 40 it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a really big deal. So he just signed a really big deal with the Cowboys, which means he's going to be staying there because no one's going to take on that contract. So he's going to be with the Cowboys for a long time. And I don't think he's all that great. So, I mean, they're, I, I like him there. I think he fits well with the Cowboys because he has a lot of weapons. Uh, so overall, I think the Cowboys, I think they're going to fight for first place in the uh, 
in the division as long as Dak Prescott stays healthy. If Dak, think, if something happens to Dak, I don't think they make first place. I think they'll be a close like third. I think I think the fight for first is going to be between the Giants and um Washington, and I think that the Cowboys are going to be a close third. You think Cowboys are going to be third? Mm-hmm. Wow, I think, the, I think the Giants and Washington are overall better teams. And I, we saw last year that, yes, the Cowboys could score a lot of teams when they attack, but that defense is – that defense, I think, is really going to kill them in the long run. Uh, they do have Malik Hooker in the secondary on their defense, who, if you remember, Malik Hooker had an amazing first couple of years with the uh, – Colts but he kind of fell off last season because he was injured and injuries killed him so maybe he might he could revive his career in uh in Dallas and what's good for Malik Hooker and the Cowboys is he's kind of a safety cornerback hybrid so he can play both but yeah I think the Cowboys will be fighting for first if they don't have Dak Prescott I think they drop to third if they don't have Dak Prescott I think they're dropping to fourth I don't know, because Ben DiNucci, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to draft him first round in fantasy. I'm a Ben DiNucci fan. Uh, but, I mean, they have Garrett Gilbert at backup, who showed pretty – he played pretty decently when he needed to last year. If you remember, he – I don't – I think he almost beat the Steelers, who had the best defense in the league at the time. But, uh, so, I mean, maybe. But I, I don't think they'll drop all the way to fourth. Just because I, they might just because it'll be such a close division still, I think, because I think it's yeah. so bad. But I think they'd be third if they don't have Dak Prescott. But I think that is all we have for the Cowboys, correct? Yes. So with that, let's move on to the NHL. And there really is nothing big going on in the NHL. Just a couple of uh, little housekeeping things for both teams. Um, the Flyers signed Carter Hart to um from his rfa deal so they signed him for three years at 3.9 mil a year which will lock apart with the flyers which i love because i think Hart is the future of the flyers and then travis sanheim is the only rfa left for the flyers to sign yeah and on the washington end we signed Ilya samsonov to a one-year um two million dollar deal i like the deal um i think like if he performs good then we'll obviously sign him to a bigger deal and maybe by then we'll have done maybe just a clear out depending on how the season goes or just freed up some cap room and maybe by the time that happens they'll start to look towards getting that uh their cap uh back up into back up where it was in past years we're Uh, about like two million of cap right now that's it what i i need Hart needs i think Hart needs to put his game all together i like that they brought in martin jones to try to keep that older guy to like help the younger guy um but like carter hart his rookie year had a really good away record not such good home record his second year really good home record not such a great away record so hopefully he can fix those splits and go right in the middle and have a good season all around with it being a first his I mean I guess it's not his first real 82 game season 
because his rookie year he kind of had that but uh he's this is going to be his first real like heavy starting season because his rookie year he wasn't playing 50 60 games like he will be this year yeah but on the bright side you haven't you've improved your defense so hopefully he won't be left out to dry in a lot of situations he'll actually be able to rely on his defense and yeah we gave up a lot of high danger chances last year it was tops in the league which is not a good way to protect your goalie Mm -hmm. but other than that the nhl has been kind of silent uh there's no word on if they're having the olympics or not which will decide which will decide if the schedule is compacted or if it's spread out because if they have that olympic break then they're going to have about a month not exactly a month but it's like 25 days in february where they don't have any play because they have the olympics that could be really interesting to see how teams perform after that break yeah because they'll have the all-star break and the olympic break uh so yeah, that's about all that's really going on in NHL. Uh, so with that, we move on to the sport that is full fling going into the playoff race in baseball where the Nationals sold. Phillies took the lead in the NL East and that was short-lived, real short-lived. Yeah. Technically, they're still in first place because the Braves just started playing but yeah, they had the they had the lead for about a week and a half. Not even. They had the lead for about yeah, a not week. even a few days. Yeah, because they took the lead over the weekend against the Mets, and then the Braves came right back. But I mean, the Braves. I'm surprised with what the Braves have done against the Reds because the Reds are a good are a good team, and the yeah, Braves are a very good team. Yeah, Ozzy Albie's had a walk off three run home run last night to beat the Reds. And the night before, they ended up winning off of a walk. So they've gotten a couple lucky games. We need them to lose today against the Reds. We beat the Dodgers. The Phillies beat the Dodgers uh, in a close 2-1 game. I was watching that game today. So Ian Kennedy has been a huge addition to the Phillies already um, after the trade deadline because we didn't really have a good closer. And bringing on Ian Kennedy – enabled us to put Ranger Suarez into the rotation who pitched a good 4.2 innings and uh, he had 82 pitches before they took him out. So for a reliever, that's for what usually is a reliever. That's really good. And uh, he didn't give up any runs. So he had a pretty good, he had a good outing today. And then they brought in Ian Kennedy to close scores two one Ian Kennedy gets the first two outs. And I want to say it was Will Smith who comes up to the plate and uh, they Ian Kennedy is up in the count one, two, and then he gives them two balls, full count. He throws a perfect pitch down and away and the ump calls it a strike. And they showed the pitch cast, like the 3D pitch cast. The entire ball is in the zone and the ump calls it a ball and walks them. So there's a runner on first. And so Cody Bellinger is up and Ian Kennedy does the same thing up in the count one, two. And these, the Dodgers batters were fighting off the, those pitches a lot. They, Cody Bellinger had like six pitches at a one, two count and three of them were fouled off. Like he, he was, was this that 13 pitch, like um, at bat where he ended up hitting a homer after 
after it? No, because he didn't. They they ended up losing the the Dodgers lost today two one. But uh, another day. It was the same situation. Cody Bellinger, he's down in the count one two, fights back to make it a full count. Another perfect pitch, high and in the zone, and they called it another ball and they walk him. Benny and Kennedy hit the next batter. So bases are loaded with two outs and they luckily they popped up the last batter and won the game, but Joe Girardi got through thrown out of the game because he was so heated in the, in the moment of the strike zone, because the, the ump had had a little bit questionable of a strike zone that entire game. I'm not going to lie. Was it like an angel Hernandez kind of, um, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it kind of was, there was, there was one pitch for the Phillies. I mean, I like the pitch because I'm a Phillies fan, but it was a good like six inches off the side of the plate, and they called it a strike. Ooh. So, so I mean, it it's his strike zone was a little inconsistent, but I mean, they don't have that little box that we have to see. So you got to cut them some slack. Uh, and coming up on coming up for the rest of the season, I think we have a pretty decent chance at all at winning the division after. It's going to be tough, though, because we have three major series after this where we have San Diego, Tampa, and the Reds. So those That's are going to be very tough. Yeah, those are three pivotal series. And then the rest, we have Arizona twice, I want to say, and then a bunch of interdivisional matchups. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a long road uh, to the end, but I think we have a pretty good shot and – I clearly want to win the division, but honestly, I don't know how far we'll go into the playoffs because I don't, I don't know if we're, I don't think we'll be able to beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. That's for sure. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Yeah. If I think if anyone's going to take down the Dodgers, it'll be either the Giants or the uh, Padres. Yeah, one of the teams in the division. But other than that, it'll be hard to take them down. Uh, what was I? I had something I was going to say, but I forgot what it was. Talking about the Padres, the Dodgers. Oh, did you see Trey Turner slide? That was, that, that, was clean. that wasn't what I was thinking of, but that was the cleanest slide I have ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, but going on to the Nats, we're one and nine in our last ten games, and we just lost a doubleheader today against the Mets. Did you lose the second both? game? Yeah. Oh my win. gosh! We yeah. needed you to win. Yeah, no, and the last one, the last game we lost to walk off to Pete Alonzo, but oh my, the yeah. polar bear. Yeah, but he wasn't dancing while a kid broke his leg in the outfield this time. <laughs> what? I didn't know that happened. When did that happen? During the home run derby, it showed a kid being like, <laughs> like care, like walked off the field, both arms around, like arms around two people, and he was like. He was not walking on one of his legs, and Pete Alonso was just in the batter's box dancing. And I didn't, I never saw that. That's you funny. need to find it, but it's really fun. It, it's really funny. But yeah, the Mets are tied with the Braves in terms of they had the same record. So you, it's going to be a close division, but I, but on the Nats, I can see us dropping to last. You guys are two games in front of Miami. Yeah, we're probably. We're probably going to drop to last. Both Atlanta and the Mets are half a game back of the Phillies, mm-hmm. but Atlanta's playing right now. And I think they're going to lose. Who are they playing? 
they're playing the Reds, and it's 12-2 in the bottom of the nine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, they're not winning. So, uh, yeah, the, the Reds scored four runs in the second inning and th- five runs in the third. Wow, that was rough. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. So, I was texting Deborah last night about the uh, about the NL East, and he texted me. He, te- he texted me after the Braves won, and he goes, hey, uh, he's like, it's fun sharing the NL East uh, lead with you. And I'm just like, cool. And he's like, really? And I'm like, what? He's like, you were all about letting me know when the Phillies were uh, winning the NL East. I was like, all right, well, you have to look at from my place. You've won three straight NL East trophies. We haven't made the playoffs in nine years, and this will be 10 if we don't make it this year. I'm like, so I had to enjoy it while I had it. But we, the Phillies with that, I mean, they're kind of hot and they're, uh, they're in the place to possibly have the NL Cy Young winner and the NL MVP winner in Bryce Harper and Zach Wheeler, which would be the first time it would happen since 2013. Uh, Bryce Harper, since June 30th, is hitting 353 with a 1173 OPS, nine homers and 24 RBIs in 34 games. This is from August 9th. So that's three days ago. That was before the Dodgers series, just to put that out there. Um, so he's been playing insane since his uh since the All-Star break. He leads the majors in OPS since the All-Star break with a 1256. Uh and then in since the All-Star break with NL hitters, he's fifth at batting average at 370, first in on-base percentage at 516, second in slugging at 740, tied for fourth in runs with 18, tied for second in walks with 21, which I never thought I would hear in my life in Bryce Harper being tied for second in walks. Yeah, he's, he was he was typically a strikeout machine. Yeah, uh, he's second in extra base hits with 17, First in times on base with 49 and first in stolen bases with five. And I believe he's currently on a 20 game streak where he's reached base safely. So that's, that's not a hit streak. That's just him like being walked or getting a hit in 20 straight games, I believe. And that is updated as of today. Um, And he now has 22 homers. He hit one today. So he's got 22 homers on the season so far. And he's hitting just under 300, I believe. So he's having an insane season right now. He's really really answered the criticisms I've always had as him. Like, besides his MVP season where he – where that was just insane, I always thought he was a little too inconsistent at the plate. He would – he really never walked. He would always strike out and always thought he could bring his batting average up, but – He's doing all those things, and he's he is becoming the front runner for the MVP out of nowhere because Tatis is injured, Degrom's injured, and nobody's really stepping up to kind of take that place. Maybe Joey Votto, if this form lasted a bit or started a bit earlier, I should say, but no, it's Bryce, and I don't really have much remorse to Bryce anymore. We were at a game recently where we were facing the Phillies. I booed him just because it's fun. Like, I really don't have the You guys are like a girlfriend in a bad breakup. Like, just forget about it already. It's been three years. Yeah, I I, I don't really care. I just think it's fun to boo him. 
but I'm pretty sure I jinxed that home run that ended up Oh my up gosh, that was so funny. So for reference, we went to a game last Tuesday. Tu- last oh, Tuesday, okay. and it was the seventh or eighth, eighth inning. inning. Eighth inning. And it, Reese Hoskins was up we the bat. We were up two to one. It wasn't Reese, but somebody was up the bat. Yeah, I'm no, like, it was Reese Hoskins. We were up two yeah. to one. I'm like, I'm okay if you guys hit a home run as long as it's not Bryce. Well, what do you know? Our re- stupid reliever had two strikes on him, decides to throw him a fastball right down the middle. He hits a home run. I knew it right off the bat. And right off the bat, I'm literally, like, crap. What, what made it even better was uh, the fact that the guy in the back, there was some guy in the back of the stands. He was, it was like a one, two count. And he's like, he's been here before. And you're like, what does that even mean? And then home run. Yeah. Uh, and then Zach, here's a couple of stats on Zach Wheeler. This is again as of August 9th. I'm reading this off of a uh, off of a, a article by Corey Seedman. Uh, so since or he on Sunday to beat the Mets to take the lead in the division. He became the front runner for the NL Cy Young Award. And I think he has a pretty good shot at winning it unless some pitcher comes out of nowhere because DeGrom has been injured for a while. So he's not really going to have enough innings to come back unless he pitches complete games when he comes back just for the rest of the season. If he comes back with a reasonable amount of time, because Zach Wheeler has about 10 starts left with 50 games remaining. He starts tomorrow against the Reds. Uh, He leads the majors in innings with 156 strikeouts with 181 complete games with three and shutouts with two. He had a two hit uh, shutout against the Mets. He has a two, four, two ERA and a 0.99 whip. And if, if you focus on war at all, he has the second, uh, second highest war in at the MLB. So all batters are like all players, not just pitchers, all players. And he's second to only Shohei Otani for obvious reasons. I mean, Otani's a monster. Uh, so, yeah, he's at plus 190 to win NL Cy Young. Walker Bueller is the next closest with a 213 ERA, but he's pitched eight and a third fewer innings than Wheeler and has 29 fewer strikeouts. So it looks like we have a pretty good chance at winning the Cy Young and a decent chance at winning the MVP. Yeah, and seeing that, you'd think, like, the Phillies would be, like, have the most wins in the MLB, but they don't. It's, it's very strange. Yeah. And also, I, just for you, I have this. Uh-oh. Didi Gregorius is starting to catch life a little bit because he is now at – let me just double check it. But when I was watching it earlier, it was at a 218. But oh, it won't pull it up here. Let me uh let me pull up his stats real quick. Didi Gregorius is now at a 221 batting average. Pretty good. The the middle infield today defensively has been playing really well. Gene Segura is insane at second base. Gene Segura, he's batting, I, I want to say 313 is what he's batting on at average. Bryce Harper's at 298. 
we now have four batters above 250. When I when I saw the uh, I was watching the first Dodgers Phillies game, and the Dodgers had like seven players with a ERA above uh, 250. But I mean, the Dodgers are insane, and Max Scherzer doesn't have a single hit this year. He's like 0 for 39. He's a pitcher. You're, you don't really I mean, expect but still, like, even, even pitchers, like, you still get, like, a, like, random, like, flub of a hit. Like, today, Ranger Suarez hit a pop fly in the infield that somehow dropped, and he got a base hit out of it. You're complaining about Max Scherzer, a pitcher, not getting a hit. I just, no, I, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I think it's, like, I mean, I don't care if he gets a hit. That's... Honestly, it's better if he doesn't get a hit because if he doesn't get a hit, that doesn't advance runners for the Dodgers, which means they don't get runs. One, possibly one run. Hey, one run can win a game. For example, today the Phillies won 2-1. Max Scherzer gets a hit. It, it wasn't Max Scherzer pitching, though. It was uh, Mitch White pitching for the Dodgers today. Exactly. Who even is that? The yeah, I think yeah, I don't know, but uh, that's really all I got for the MLB. I gave off what we have left. We have like we have the Reds and then San Diego, then Tampa Bay, and then we have a couple series we should win, like Arizona twice. We have Baltimore one more time in the season, so. We have a couple series we should win. So I think the division is going to come down to like the last week of the season. Yeah. With everyone involved, even the Nationals. I'm joking. Clearly the Nationals will not yeah, be No, involved. we're going to be last. We're going to be last. I'm, we're probably definitely going to be last. Especially with the way that uh, Trevor Rogers is pitching in Miami. I think he's going to win rookie of the year. NL rookie of the year. Yeah. And we have Juan Soto. He's um he's doing good. Hey, Bryce, that is he's he'll be a part of your rebuild. Well, that is that is true. I'm I'm glad he's gonna be a part of our rebuild. They could have gotten rid of him, which would not have been cool for you guys. I would have just stopped watching baseball at that point. Like, yeah, yeah. I've been watching so much baseball recently. I've and been you, so you intrigued. Watch none. Yeah, I used to not watch baseball at all. And then I started doing this, so I started paying more attention to it. And now, like, I just love watching baseball, which I think is kind of a slept-on sport. Everyone hates on it because it's so slow and monotonous, which it is. Like, it's really hard to just sit there and watch every pitch without uh, without getting bored. But, I mean, it's, it's more fun to watch than golf, put it that way. Uh, yeah, but golf, you can't. It's fun to play, but watching that, yeah. But I mean, no. even in baseball, every pitch counts because literally, because you have to watch the pick, pitch count of the pitchers because that'll affect how they start pitching and everything. Like, so, I mean, it's it's a fun sport to watch. A lot goes into it. And it's, I think it's a slept on sport. I think it's the most analytical sport of the big ones. Yeah. I saw this, um, I saw this video where he was going over the uh he was going over like what sport requires the most skill and it was a mlb analyst and he said that 
it was uh from the pitcher's mound to home plate is 60 feet and six inches and so on average a pitch from that far away at the velocity of 90 miles an hour you get a you get about 400 milliseconds to make a decision on whether you're going to try to hit or not if it's going to be in the box or not if you're going to swing and how early you have to swing so you get like no time to uh even look at the ball which is just insane to me 400 milliseconds to make a decision on if you're going to swing that's why a lot of guys just go up to the plate looking for a pitch or just looking for a single location yeah you you look for one spot because i mean it's it's hard like that's i didn't realize it and i mean i could kind of see it while i was watching the games at how quick they have to make decisions but i mean knowing that now that's just insane plus then you throw in all the different types of pitches that they can throw where they curve and bend and yeah, looking at the ball rotation, some pitches like a fastball and changeup may look the same, like may start in the same locations but end up in completely different places. Did you see when um, I have to double check who it is, but there was a pitcher. He was a position player. It was the end of the. Uh, it was the end of the game for forget what team i want to say it was the rangers and he was throwing 30 miles an hour and brock holt yes brock holt that was it brock holt the man he pitched what he was pitching 30 miles an hour and he he grounded someone out and afterwards he's walking to the dugout and he takes off his hat and gloves and like walks over to the ump like yo you want to check it you want to check it and they're like nah you you suck you're good (laughs) Yeah, he's throwing 30 miles an hour. Yeah, I'm pretty I, sure you can find some T-ballers who can maybe get close to that. I mean, props to the guy for making for having fun with it, knowing that he can't pitch well. And still yeah, he just like, lobbed yeah. it in. He just went, lobbed it, was, it in. <laughs> it was funny because I was playing catch with um, Dev one day, and he just – we were like – I was catching and everything, and he's like – I wonder what my coach would say if I just walked up to the mound and just lobbed one in at like 20 miles an hour. I was like, do it. It's like, I wonder, he's like, I wonder what the ump would do too. Like, cause I mean, if it's coming down like this, how are you going to be like, Oh, well that's a striker. Yeah, yeah, how do you, I don't know how that, how do you, how you judge determine that? that. So yeah. Cause yeah. it might go through it, but it, eh, I'm not an ump. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all. That's all I have for this week. Is that all you got? That's all I got. All right. Well, Jalen Hurts is out of the game. Joe Flacco is now in. Taylor Heineke's in. Super Bowl MVP. Um, I think Taylor Heineke will be starting by week eight. I don't think. I think he might get put in a few, maybe a few situations if Fitz isn't really having it. But I, if he's going to start, I think it'll be a little bit later. But uh, yeah, that is all I got for this week. So with that, I think we will get on out of here. Um, So we won't be able to record this next week. I will be on vacation. So I will not have steady internet. Uh, But we will be back the week after that with another episode. So we'll have a little bit more to cover. But other than that, uh, I think we're out of here. And that's it for me. Jacob, anything else? No, see you guys later. All right, see you guys in a couple weeks. 
Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Brotherly Love in the District. Come back again next week for another episode. Feel free to leave a rating and review for us to see and make the podcast more the way you want to hear it. You can check out the video version of this podcast on our YouTube, Brotherly Love in the District. Follow our Instagram at DC, where we post scores of Philly and Washington games along with big news updates, trades, and signings. If you have a question or topic you want us to discuss on the show, DM our Insta at DC or email us at blinthedc at gmail.com. Finally, I just want to give a huge thank you to all the people that listen weekly and keep coming back. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you on the next one.